1: You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being with us today. It is Tuesday, July 28th, 2015. I'm Leanne Dolan, and today I am ringing in from Bend, Oregon, and I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan, who is in the mountain paradise of Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Hi, Jewel. Hi, Leanne. Well, how's
0: it going in Bend, Oregon?
1: (laughs) It's good. I'm going to tell you about our little vacation. We drove up here Saturday. My husband did a masterful job of driving. I can't, I can't even tell you that's a long that's haul her
0: race car husband who, uh, yeah. He, you know, he's just
1: a very accomplished and focused driver. Let's just leave it at that in case there are any highway patrolmen listening, but, um, you know, he's, he's very focused. He takes the drive very seriously. So we did the 800 miles very smoothly. That's okay. very, very smoothly. And, uh, So um, we got a lot going on on the show. Well, not really, because I'm on vacation, but we have a few news stories. Uh, We have some things that fall under the general advice of, of parenting, from parenting young campers to high school seniors to young adults who return home. Julie, you're very, very concerned about the militarization of uh, artificial intelligence and the robots that are going to turn against us. I understand.
0: It's not just me, Leon. A lot of people are worried about killer robots. <laughs> and it starts with the driverless cars, Leanne. Okay? We have to get some, some positions on, on what... What's gonna to be tolerable and what's not going to be? Okay. Okay. You have a pick. You have a video pick? I do, Leanne. I do have a recommendation for the Satellite Sisterhood. Yes. And then no of course pans, no pants this uh, this week because it's summertime. Yeah. Right? Just keep it. I'm gonna freezing. start being, you know, dumping on shows and books and T V <laughs> when we
1: after Labor Day. Okay, That's cranky. Good idea. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Pole, Dark, and Handsome. We're, we're uh, like, headlong into the series finale next week. So mm. Episode 7 this week set up a lot of dun-dun-dun-duns to be answered <laughs> next week. That's what I would say. Um, Dark
0: and stormy, and That's what I have to say.
1: Excellent. Excellent. First, we do need to mention on um, the Satellite Sisters Instagram contest. I know uh, the, the trio who were on this weekend did cover it. But mm-hmm. if you're doing the hashtag Satellite Sisters, Sat Sisters, Summer fun contest. Keep on doing it. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. looking at people's uh, summer fun pics, aren't you, Joel? I
0: love it, Lee, and people are having a lot of fun. People are being very original and creative, and uh, there's all kinds of pictures. And I'm glad that uh, nobody's adhering to Liz's rules (laughs) that it had to be people. I I love, I mean, some of the top picks are pets, Leah, and food and drinks and, (laughs) and just good time, good summer fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's face it. The dogs of the Satellite Sisterhood are having an excellent time this summer. I mean, they're doing all kinds of things. Yes, they hardly so. Uh, so if you're not on Instagram, get on it. It's we're at Sat Sisters. Julie, you also have your own account, which is yes, at- Julie, oldest sister. Yes.
0: <laughs> why do I? Why do you laugh at that? No, I, I just because
1: really every time I mention you're the oldest sister, you get mad at me. But it's okay if you call yourself the oldest sisters it one of those things.
0: It was all that was left, Liam. Okay, okay. you know how it is. It's just. I don't know.
1: I, I just had to create a fresh account, and that's what I came up with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, and then uh, yeah, and I'm at Leon Dolan because uh, that's never almost never taken. Um, right, so- right, Go ahead.
0: You, you can have all the Leans you want, Leon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I get kind of freaked out when I go to register for something and they'll tell me Leon Dolan is taken that freaks me out uh, anyway so uh, that's happening of course we're on Facebook more people joining the Facebook group but um, it's just been fun to do that and it's a, it's a good easy breezy summer activity so um, excellent but I am in Bend Oregon where we talk about it a lot on Satellite Sisters because Liz has a bungalow here and Monica often comes over from Portland Liz comes up and then we usually make an annual trip, but it's been a couple of years since we've been here with my family. So we drove up Saturday, 800 miles. Did I mention that? I mean, it's every time we get to the 600 mile mark, Oops. we always say, I wish Bend was here. You know, it's yes. like <laughs> 600 miles is no problem. Mm-hmm. 800 is How just, many
0: hours? How many hours, Leanne?
1: Or do we, you want to disclose that? Well, on, we did uh, it under uh, 12 hours this time, door to door under 12. Um, and okay. as, as my son said, and we would have done it in 11 and a half if mom wasn't in the car. So, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> make an extra stop or two so um anyway uh, so uh and i thought we were going to listen to some audiobooks on the way up but my husband was concentrating so hard on the drive he's like i, I just can only listen to music he couldn't follow a story because i had downloaded that red sparrow that you <gasps> oh yes re- i thought that would be a good car thing but oh well
0: uh-huh. so we
1: get to ben saturday night And, you know, here's the the thing we found when we come to um, the lovely mountain town of Bend where people are – talk about easy breezy summer, you know, fun. It's all happening here. People take their recreation very seriously Mm -hmm. in Bend. (laughs) There's water sports and – kayaking and hiking and yoga and CrossFit. And there was a big bicycle race in town Saturday night. There was a huge lacrosse tournament. It was packed here. You know, and it's just, you can just put on your river shoes and your fleece and you're good. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you don't have to it's dress. It's a
0: good look. It's nice and comfy land. You it know, is.
1: That's, that's uh, shorts, river shoes, fleece. There you yeah. go. It's just, you it's don't like have... a little camp uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. And so, um, but- I always have to it takes us about 36 hours to decompress from our big city ways and <laughs> You know, just, and just who we are. So like Saturday night, we ended up going out to dinner and Colin, my 17 year old, we had gotten him up at 5am to hit the road. So he was like, I'm just going to lie down. And he slept for 15 straight hours. So he was not. Way to go.
0: That is really a, I know. That, that's
1: a classic teenage move. I okay, know. Good. Just boom out. Like, oh, the drive he didn't even do. That was exhausting for him. But, <laughs> uh, so Beric and I went out to dinner and I just, you know, Julie, part of the issue with part of the. Trade-off for small-time, small-town charm is really bad service. You know.
0: Okay, I heard you. You started off by saying small-time, Leon.
1: Okay. Small-town charm equals really bad service, and I—I I know it's an issue with me that we go to these restaurants and things that should be. Moving along at a pace, never move along at a pace. Mm-hmm. So we just, we went out to a restaurant and the food is fine. It's just the delivery of the food and the drinks and the check. It just is all, it just all comes in a haphazard at, you're fashion. Ag-
0: aggravated, Leanne? You were totally aggravated? I you just... Were- I
1: your fleece and your river shoes relaxing and I couldn't do it kicking back you couldn't do it I could not I couldn't let go and one of the other issues was this restaurant it was kind of chilly actually Saturday night we got in town it was only 60 degrees uh so and they had the air conditioning on full blast in this restaurant but I seemed to be like caught in the polar vortex so there was just like wind coming at me the whole meal and I I finally I kept like switching seats to get out of. Of the jet stream—it just wasn't working. It sounds like a lovely, re- relaxing evening. You know what? Me. At least I know that I—I I had to just at one point, like the check was taking forever, and I said, "Okay, I'm just going to go outside. <laughs> I think it's best if I it's leave." It's the, the same as a
0: two-year-old. If you start acting <laughs> up in a restaurant, just yet, you have to go outside.
1: That's it. Okay. You know, here's the thing: like slower service doesn't really equate to better service. You know what I mean? What you get is slow bad service. You don't get it's not a question of just slowing down and relaxing. It's slow and it's bad. And that that's the part that I like you just have to readjust. Like in the grocery store, they just work at a different pace than I'm yes. I'm used to and you're used okay. to just whizzing
0: around like you know and just bagging and checking uh, in a very efficient manner. Boom right? boom
1: boom. Right. That's and it's uh-huh. just their you know they're working, but it's just at a. a <laughs> they <just> working, Leon. <laughs> <Lynn. laughs> so how it now? You're you're several days into the vacation. Is it going any better? I'm proud or are of you me because to- I went. I'm proud of me, Julie. I went to get a cup of coffee today, and even though it was unbelievably slow service, <laughs> and, and there were locals just standing in front of the coffee counter talking like yeah. they had their coffee. It's small. T- they're visiting, Leigh, that's a nice thing, right? And at no. one point, one of them said, oh, do you want a coffee mug? I was like, no, I want coffee. <laughs> and, and, but I didn't say that. There. No, mm-hmm. I didn't say that, Julie. I didn't say that. I managed okay. to say, I just wanted to order some coffee because on many establishments now, they have these stickers on the outside that say, be nice. You're in Oregon now, which I find mm. to be very aggressive language, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's for all you Californians, right? <laughs> they don't like you at all, do they? And the ones from L.A. are worse than the ones from San Francisco,
1: aren't they? Isn't that, isn't that the general
0: consensus? In I do
1: I don't know. All I'm saying is I did not say that, fine, stand in front of this working establishment just chatting. <laughs> While I stand here, I, I held my tongue. So I'm proud of me. And I say <laughs> with late. my husband, too, because the first day he was up at 4 a.m., he worked for a couple of hours and then I heard him rattling around upstairs. And I said, What are you doing up there? He goes, Oh, I'm just reorganizing Liz's closets. <laughs> It's just some home improvement projects. Yes. He's just, doing it, man. He is he's breaking. He's sort
0: of a free ranger. He, we, I guess we, I'm sure there could be other closets that he could uh, he, tackle. That's right. He great.
1: enjoys efficiency. And so he is setting up some efficiencies there. I mean, okay. you know, Good. there was a lot of just dump and runs in the closet. I mean, there was Christmas ornaments mixed in with Liz has like a hundred record albums. <laughs> There's like satellite sisters paraphernalia, Ooh. I uncovered this beautiful antique clock that was in there that was mom's. It was like all, and then it was just Barrett just rearranged the closets. So okay, that's good. That that's made good. him happy. But now we're settling down. We're we're vacationing. Good. We're vacationing. Good. good. I think you should just eat in, Liam. I don't think you should eat out. That's seems- no. That's what I did Sunday night. I said yeah. let's just not. I can't go out yet. I can't. <laughs> Can't go out again. <laughs> I think it's better if I just eat in.
0: Yeah, so because you can serve yourself at the pace that
1: you like. Yeah, that's
0: good.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, we go. Well, oh. Lisa,
0: I want to congratulate you, and I think you should rest up because your dream has come true, hasn't it? It has. Los Julie. Angeles.
1: 2024, right? (laughs) It's not official, but um, yesterday uh, the city of Boston bowed out of its Olympic bid. And I think that's the kind way of saying it. So let's just leave it at that because I know we have many Bostonians who Mm -hmm. listen to the show. And, um, you know, they had a lot of mixed feelings, as did apparently everyone in Boston about ho- hosting the Olympics. They managed to win the 2024 bid a couple of years ago, but it was clear that public support was not on uh, the side of the you know Boston Olympic bid. And so the USOC said, listen, why don't we just find another city? And of course, the city poised to take over is the city of angels, Los Angeles, California. So <laughs> we are happy. We are happy to step in, Town. Don't worry. This is... <laughs> You just, Lynn, I mean,
0: I just want to know, were you on
1: that committee that was trying to get rid of the Olympics in Boston? Were <laughs> no, you I think it was all them? Bostonians. Believe me, I think it was the mayor of Boston that said, I can't make my city foot this bill. I can't do this yeah. to the people. There is no, there was no public support. So mm-hmm. you know what? Boston is a small, congested city. And I don't say it's just, and we are primed. We have, a, we're a big time city in terms of, we got freeways, we got stadiums, we have a lot of major universities you know we are hosting this week the 70,000 athletes and coaches for the special olympics yes, which yes. has been such a joy to have in the city and uh you know i fun um fun to watch yes it's Lynn, fun I to think- watch every yeah. municipal municipality was hosting athletes, providing training, welcomes, parades for the athletes, you know, it's just a very supportive um, effort. And I think that will make a big impression on the USOC. We're ready to go. Like I suggested or slash maybe forced my son to look up the Special Olympics in like January. I thought you should volunteer for that. That would be a good summer job done. Like the volunteers, they were not even accepting applications as of January. They had filled 30,000 volunteer slots, 30,000 volunteer Hmm. slots. And so, you know, people here are enthusiastic. It's just a big community and we're poised. Because you
0: don't have an NFL team. We don't. You don't have anything else to do. You might as well host the Olympics. We might as
1: well. And we got stadiums galore. We got freeways. We got plenty of stuff. So we are happy to have the Olympics. Okay. should that come to pass it would be great 202014 love to have them so okay. don't worry boston we totally got you covered
0: <laughs> totally i was looking forward to like another trip to the cape land so i'm <laughs> i'm a little sorry about that i'll have to think of another reason to get out there but i know that the bostonians were worried about too much traffic but you know in la you don't care you already have too much traffic Yeah, so, we so don't care yeah <laughs> you don't care okay that's good and you know that's, my that's husband good. the weather's was... good it's a, it's it's uh a, it's an international city, as is, is Boston, you know, and um, I think it will be fun. You've got you've got all kinds of you can produce
1: the big shows. We there, can, we're, no we're, doubt we're about poised. it. We're no. totally poised. And yeah. people said during '84, I wasn't here for that Olympics, but my husband was. Like there was, you could have like danced on the freeways because yes. they issued such alarming traffic alerts that there uh-huh. was no one on the freeways. People took right. those two weeks off, you know, they really accommodated the games and those were like amongst the last modern games to actually make money. I mean, yes. you know, it, they were well-run by Peter Ubroth and they, they put in Olympic training facilities all over Southern California with the profits from those games. So yeah, well, we're ready. Well, you we're get good your, to go. Throw
0: your hat in there, get there in there early. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you, I, outstanding booster. I'm the, totally like, going
1: to do that. Like I took like ambassador. I want to stand out in front of somewhere, you know, <laughs> with my t-shirt on. Yeah, I'll be even ready. If it, oh, even if it's in front of your house, you just go right ahead and do it. <laughs> I am starting now.
0: I'm going to start now, That's
1: before we even get the official bid. I'm just right. going to set up a booth in front of yeah, the Rose just Bowl. just get yourself
0: a sawhorse, put it out <laughs> in the front lawn, and just and go for it. You need a little
1: snappy hat to go with it, too, Lane. Okay. We'll get a hat. I, can, I was at the Barcelona Games. I got a hat with all those pins. I still got it. I'm going to put my pins okay. on. You're ready, you're ready. I'm ready. Totally okay. ready. Well,
0: I have a I have another story that I want to bring to you, Liam, because you have doing you've been doing all the robotic coverage here at uh, Satellite Sisters. And uh, big headlines uh, today that Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking, along with other uh, many concerned scientists, have put out a warning that they are very concerned about military artificial intelligence arms race that could develop as a result of all the robotics that are now available. They, you know, they made a statement that said it's virtually inevitable that this is going to happen, and that robotics and artificial intelligence. This in their minds, they see this as the third revolution in warfare behind gunpowder and nuclear arms. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I mean, that's and that it's even more alarming because they say it's feasible in years, not decades. So um, and this sort of, uh, you know, I had just seen another editorial written by Jerry Kaplan, who's who's coming out with a book about, you know, um, is it possible to create an ethical robot? That it sort of starts with the driverless car, Leon, and he poses really? a question. He said, "How are you going to feel, Leon, or perhaps your race car husband, race car driving husband? How are, how is he going to feel when he is passed or
1: cut off by a self driving car?" Oh, I can I can assure you, I know how he's going to feel. It's not going to be good because when anyone passes him, he takes it upon himself to pass back. <laughs> I mean, he. Doesn't, so and we're in a white, we're in a 1985 busy. white minivan, so or 1999 white minivan. He still he gets mad.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this is. I mean, they were. Ge- he was giving the example. You know, it starts with the driverless car. You know, that we don't. There aren't any ground rules. I mean, what about situations like in many communities they have like two-hour parking in the downtown area. That's so. You know, there's a constant flow of. Yeah, uh, parking spots for consumers as they come. But what if you had a self-driving car, Leanne, that could be programmed to move out of a two-hour parking spot into another two-hour parking spot every two hours? That way you could drive to work and use the two-hour
1: parking spots for eight hours a day. I'm getting stressed just listening to this. (laughs) It sounds terrible. I I think it's a terrible idea anyway. I I don't think the driverless car is a good idea. I don't understand. You know, but I know
0: that there's, you know, everyone is excited about robotics, about, you know, about artificial intelligence. But as these scientists, you know, and, you know, are, and are, you know, they're thinking about the applications in the military sense, there are no rules. So what are right. what are going to be safeguards for, you know, what they're calling what the headlines are calling killer robots? You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like
1: even the drones now, when you see those flying in and getting in the way of, yeah. you know, uh, aircraft trying to put out fires, that's bad. Yeah. That's not a good use of drones. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And believe me, Julie, I saw the future of robotics at the world's championships in Los Angeles. They're from all over the world. And some of those kids are going to turn evil. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I'm guessing it's the kids who wore the trench coats all week. <laughs> That was creepy. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That was creepy. Well, this creepy. podcast
0: has taken a dark and stormy turn as well. Okay. Well, you heard it here first at Satellite Sisters. We're usually on where we are on, you know, the cutting edge of most technology. Uh, and so, all
1: right. All right. So you, you're you going to keep an eye on robots, on evil robots. I am going to keep robots. an eye on
0: this. I mean, I think it's a big story and I think it will be a big issue for, you know, this generation
1: and, you know, uh, for this generation, not even for the next generation, we have to, we have to work on this. Okay. Yeah. You know, when someone like Stephen Hawking's and Elon Musk weigh in and they're concerned, then I'm concerned. Like those are two, you know what I mean? Those are voices that you I can, know. And
0: there's big thinkers, they, yeah. you know, big thinkers from Google and many other high right. tech companies right. where, You know, that are working on this and want to use it in a positive way, but- you know, it, it it definitely has military applications. Okay, Jewel. Now I'm okay. nervous. Okay. okay All so, right. Um,
1: okay. Well, let's so,
0: turn to a happier topic. Okay. Let's turn to our Facebook
1: page. Okay. Because okay. there are a couple mm-hmm. of good discussions that popped up at the Facebook group this week that I thought we could uh, discuss. And now I am seem to be having problems with my bringing that up on Facebook. So I'm just going to talk about it and hopefully... Sometimes the Wi-Fi here is a little out, but we had two. One question was from Tara in New York. She wanted to know about tipping at summer camp. Like her Mm -hmm. son went to a summer camp and then she was told, oh, you have to tip the counselors. And, um, and she's like, you know, I'm a single mom. The camp was expensive enough. Do I really have to tip? And I was surprised there were answers all over the board because I have never heard of tipping a counselor at a summer camp, you know, especially a week camp or something. I mean, camp is expensive enough. Maybe you give them some cookies or a thank you card or a Starbucks gift card. But I was surprised that people were like, no, no, it should be this much a day. And people had real, uh, real responses that did you get tipped at Nana camp?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. I'm holding out for a tip. I think it's totally appropriate, Lynn, yeah. having been head counselor. No, I think it's a it's a real issue. I don't, I don't, and i i was I was surprised. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's like anything. You know, if children have had a good time, a lot of some sometimes parents just want to be appreciative of the counselors that help them. But in other cases, I, I clearly there are the there's the expectation that. Not only do you have to pay all the camp fees, but you better set aside some money for for a tip afterwards. And that... That does seem a little shocking to me. Yeah.
1: I I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of camp it is, but I I went away to eight-week summer camp. Nobody ever tipped those counselors, I don't think. And we had parents weigh in on the board that, uh, like Ann said, her 15-year-old is a junior counselor, and she isn't getting any tips. You know, she makes minimum wage, but that seems like a fortune to her. She's young. I mean, I know camp counselors don't get a lot, but that – it just – It seems like either your camp has a tradition of allowing you to accept tips or not. Like Sarah said, she worked at a summer camp in Maine, and uh, it was drilled into their heads that they were not allowed to accept money or gifts or anything. So this seems like one of those parenting things that has gotten, like, more competitive and, like, the tipping and – because that just – I have never heard of that, so –
0: but it's—I mean—I I, mean—it's very common now, and as our sister Sheila can attest, that you know, teacher gifts—you know—that you know she enjoys them, teachers enjoy them, and that's kind of ramped up uh, because you know I don't—I you know I may be. I mean, did I, I don't, I guess I got some scented candles for my son's teachers, but, uh, but that seems like it's, it's, you know, like everything, it's a lot more competitive and that's, that's a shame, uh, because you would hate to have kids miss out on the opportunity to go to camp because then, you know, the tip puts it in a price point, right? a price point that, that you just can't afford. And let's face it, a lot of people use camp. I did, you know, uh, Um, as part of, you know, your summer childcare, if you're a working parent, this is, you know, you, you know, this is part of your childcare, um, arrangement for the summer. So, uh, that's, that's, that's a big expense.
1: Yeah, right. Summers are always wildly expensive. They're incredibly expensive if you're a working parent. And so then to add on a whole bunch of random tips, I thought good advice from Betty. She said, check with your child's camp. If you're not sure what the norm is there. Because I'm yeah. sure you know that's that's a good good break, bake some cookies and check with your child's camp is what I would say. Okay, and then we had a really sweet discussion. One of our uh, satellite sisters out there is anticipating the empty nest. Her mm-hmm. oldest son will be a senior in high school, and um, and she said she's already just counting the hours till he goes mm-hmm. away. And she's really, really sad about it. And could anybody give her some advice? And people really stepped up with really nice things to say that it's hard at first, but then you get used to it. Make every moment count his senior year, take a vacation before you go and build some family memories. You know, all I can say is this, I, I would love to have an empty <laughs>
0: I couldn't even wait in. You haven't, you haven't had the empty nest.
1: I am waiting for him to leave my nest. <laughs> yes. Did yes. not. The little birdie has not left. I, I was so. like
0: to stay close to home, you know, who wants to, wants to watch TV with you, eat those
1: home-cooked meals. Yeah. I so want my nest to be at least half empty. Yeah. So, you know, as my older son ended up taking a gap year, living at home, and then going to a college nearby that has no dorms. So it's just now that he's looking at apartments with his friends and, and moving out, and I'm like, I cannot wait. So I can't really speak to, like, how to get through it, because I'm just begging to be part of that. Um, but I will say this, you know, their senior year in high school, it it's a year of a lot of changes. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you say, Julie, that yes. for you and for your child, and it can be a year of tremendous stress, you can let the college process just completely overwhelm you. And there is something to just kind of enjoying that last, trying to enjoy that last year when they're in your home.
0: I know, I, I agree with that. Uh, without a doubt, I think... Got, the empty nest, experiencing that was one of the biggest life changes I've ever been through. And it was unexpected to me what a dramatic change it was. And, um, I don't, you know, so I think it's really good that you're thinking about it in advance and, you know, planning for it and, you know, and say, you know, really savoring these last moments. I mean, the child, the child is going to come home, believe me, they'll come back, back. but it is, it is a very dramatic change in, in a lifestyle for a lot of parents, you know, where you are just 24, seven, you know, my husband and I were like, well, we don't have to be home at, you know, like for dinner, you know, you know, that it's just it's, it's such a big change uh, in, you know, how you operate uh, your household that I, I, it does take some adjustment, but it can be it's a great time in life, too, as well. So. Uh, I think all that advice was really helpful.
1: Right. Yeah. People said, you know, take a yoga class, reconnect with your girlfriends, cultivate yeah. some activities, be a tourist in your own town. Um, yeah. Just and be grateful that you've raised somebody that's healthy and enough and happy enough to head to college on his own, that that's fantastic too. And you know, all those things, but um, you know, it kind of starts with the beginning of their senior year. All those lasts, they actually get kind of emotional and so you get to the week of graduation and then you're just crying at the drop of the hat. Yes. Of course. Of
0: course. Of course. And
1: then they turn on you the summer before they go to college. So. it is that
0: pushing away. Yes. Yes. Like so. you're trying, you know, you both want the you both want the same thing by the end of summer uh, before uh, after senior year. That without a doubt. Well, Leon, this dovetails very nicely into Uh, A a piece I saw written by a writer from The Simpsons, Leanne. Okay. Uh, The name of this, uh, Rob uh, Lezepnik, I'm going to say his name wrong, but (sighs) The Adults We Failed to Raise was the name of the article. And I see this kind of as the revenge of the TV show The Simpsons. (laughs) Uh, Because Rob apparently has a college grad that has returned home. Okay, and it has dawned on him and many of his friends, as uh, probably associated with The Simpsons, who watched The Simpsons, who knows. But that all those years, he writes, that all those years of being your kid's concierge has created a monster. And I just love the term concierge. That is I, funny. A, lot of, a lot of parents, that's exactly what, you know, what we became, you know, when we were raising kids, we wanted to be very involved with our children and we would do anything, make anything happen for the child. You know, that we, as uh, as Rob writes, we staged managed their lives, right? This, yeah. this, this can be true. And so as a result of that, When they return from college with no idea what they want to do and they move back into their bedroom, uh, they have no life skills and they have no ability to make their own decisions. And so Rob is really urging parents, you know, uh, who have children or or young adults um, in this category that you need to cut the cord. You really need this is. This is where everybody has to buck up and you have to cut the cord. And the first thing that Rob recommends is that you take them off your Netflix account. Oh, that This <laughs> is going to be so harsh and so confusing and upsetting to them. It's so it's, true. It's so true. But it's going to send a clear message. Mm-hmm. Second major uh, uh, point uh, to, you know, as part of his program to launch these adults is that you really need to channel Angela Merkel, uh, that you have to, you just <laughs> have to cut these kids off. Like, and you have to start charging them if they're using their ATMs, not at their banks, but at, you know, at the, oh, at the yeah. convenience store, right? You have to present them with a bill. Okay. Now he, you know, he goes on. He says that you should try to have them read some books. Now, and he's not suggesting that you know anything too difficult. Um, but he, his bit main book that he is leaving around his household is Coach Wooden's <laughs> Pyramid of Success. Oh yeah, that's a good now, one. Coach Classic. Wooden, if it's a- it's, he is a, the UCLA, you know, a, a coach, basketball coach that won, I don't even know how many national championships. Yeah, but he said like 12
1: in a row. He won like 14 overall. Legendary, legendary
0: coach. Yes. yes. Okay. So that, that's the book, Leon. This is what you need. You might want to buy a copy, Leon. Just, you know, leave it, leave it out and about. Not that <laughs> your sons aren't launched. And then now as part of the decision-making process, you need to um, start small with some outings. Have them go to the grocery store and actually buy food and not call you to find out what what they like on their turkey wrap. Is it mayo or mustard? And whatever they come home with, that's what you eat. Okay? It's just these are these are small baby steps that you can take with with their with their kids to get them ready for what is ultimately the big thing is they have to find a job. And this, you know, he has he just throws his hands up. You have to beg and plead. With your friends, okay, that's the only way, right? That's the only way your kid's gonna get a job, okay. So anyway, it's it's called the adults we failed to raise. I, I you know, it's it's funny. Where, where right? is it, Julie? What? It was in the Wall Street. Journal. Oh, okay,
1: okay. The Wall Street
0: Journal had it, and it was. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it was, uh, but it really spot on in many, many cases. And, you, you know, there may be some
1: tips that you can, you can incorporate in your own lifestyle. That's, that's you know, funny. we did leave my older son home alone for this 10 day trip because yeah. he's in school this summer. He's, ta- he's still at, at college um, taking a full term. And so my goal last week, the younger son kept saying, why is there no food in the house? I go, my goal <laughs> is to leave the least amount of food here humanly possible for our older son so that he has to fend for himself okay good (laughs) this is exactly what he's talking (laughs) about yeah like at one point the day before we left I was starting to like mop the floor I'm like what am I doing it's for uh, him it's for it's for Brooks I'm not going to clean the house for him right he can live in his own filth and then I said, but it better be clean for us when we walk yes. through the door. I don't I don't want to ask too many questions about what happened here when we're gone, but you um, got to do that and you got to well you got to feed the cat. Is that <laughs> the cat? Cats, okay. The two cats. Your
0: no. cats, I know, I can't squirrel.
1: I know. We just we don't know. Maybe that other one will leave. I mean, it just surfaced the day before we the night before we left on vacation, we heard some meowing in the garage from underneath a blanket and um it was a different cat. It was a different cat. So
0: I think I think in the cat world, there's like a big neon sign over your house that says
1: "sucker." That's what I, I think. Living. I know, and I do have to go back and do that trap, neuter, release thing. I understand that, people. I know I have to do that. I have a fr- <laughs> friend up the street who does cat rescue. She's going to help me. So.
0: Okay, it's a whole new lifestyle.
1: Thing. I, I did like the person on the Facebook page that said, "I think it's time get another dog," and that's... <laughs> okay all right sorry i didn't mean to di- digress no, anyway but,
0: but okay so there's some helpful tips in there yeah. so you might want to check it out it's called the adults we failed to raise but i just love the term that you know we've become our kids concierge, concierge. and that's that is so true so uh Leon, i have one pick for you this week on tuesday you know i do some picks and pans on tuesday but no pans for uh the rest of the summer uh we'll take those back up after labor day, but I want to, I want to put a heads out, a heads up, uh, for a video pick. This is, this is, um, a, a series of short videos that it was created and written. And, um, it looks like mainly produced by, uh, the son, uh, his, his name is Ryder Doyle. He's an actor in New York, and he is the son of some of our oldest and dearest friends from New Orleans. And, uh, uh, i think you'll enjoy it uh it's it's adult material it's not for, it's not for kids uh necessarily um but it's um it's really cute and clever and well done and Ryder doyle apparently has um some star to- studying <laughs> friends that he was able to corral to to do this to do these pieces so you'll be surprised that like where i where i was uh, delighted to see that carrie mulligan the actress is uh is in this zoe kazan is in this um so just check it out it's What's called the walker the walker it's at, it's at refinery29.com oh, i put the website. link site yeah i i've i put the link up on our pay up on our web on our Facebook page. So you can check that out. And it's, um, it's very, you know, it's, it's really fun when you see kids that you knew when they were little, I mean, Ryder used to be on my husband's baseball team, little league team and Ryder um, uh, played first base, but mainly he sat on first base I mean, he just, <laughs> he just really didn't like connect with baseball in any kind of way uh, at all but he was out there every day and just sitting on first base and you just kind of had to work with that, you know? And, uh, but he has certainly found his calling as an actor. Uh, uh and, uh, th- this is a very cute piece that I think has, you know, could, could go somewhere. It could be a TV series or something like
1: that, but. Oh yeah. It it's getting a big, I see it. The Walker. Oh yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It's very, very Refinery cool. 29, right at, click on video. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and they're good, and
0: they're fun, and you should check it out. Yeah, it's good. All right, good tip, Jewel. All right, all right,
1: (laughs) all right. Coming up, we are going to go to Pull Dark and Handsome, uh, and then we're going to get our vacation on. Um, But uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we return, we're going to do our recap of episode seven of Pull Dark. Stay with us, we're the Satellite Sisters. We are the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here with my sister, Julie Dolan. And this is our weekly recap of the PBS Masterpiece Series, Poldark. Uh, it is episode seven. We're taking a look at this week, one week before the big season finale. And uh, Julie, all I have to say is there's a ball happening this week, right? <laughs> that is, those are always magic words. When it comes to a Masterpiece Series, when you hear there's a ball, that you know... It's excitement, we, excitement's we, in the air, Leon. I mean, I think every TV series
0: should have a ball, don't you? Yeah. I mean, if just, you could, I mean, Law and Order,
1: they could, they could work in like a policeman's ball or something like that, don't you think? It's so true. Julia. I hadn't really thought about that, but almost every show can be approved by throwing a ball. Yeah. Uh, except, of course, that this was like the worst ball of all time. Which- uh. The a,
0: worst. It was what a terrible
1: ball. <laughs> it
0: was, uh, there wasn't one good thing about it, Leah.
1: This whole episode was rather dark and stormy, as you said, obviously setting up a lot of storylines, leaving us with a lot of questions to be answered in next week's season finale <gasps> of *Pull Um, so you know, in general, it wasn't the most uplifting or romantic. But don't fret, because there was one scene of Ross in bed in his linen shirt with his oh. chest hair. Right?
0: Uh, I thought you were talking about the shirt burning scene, Leon. Oh, I thought yeah, for sure. You were going with that scene. <laughs> so, okay. But we'll get to that. But you're right, Leon. Nothing good happened in Cornwall this week. Nothing. No, it was uh, it was just. It was, it was all dark and dreary. I found myself looking out at the sea, Leanne, uh, <laughs> uh, during this episode.
1: Okay. So it opens with, um, cousin Francis, who's now lost his estate and lost his, his, his coal mine, uh, in a, in a, uh, gambling episode in a card game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Francis is out there doing a poor, poor imitation of scything. When,
0: yes. <laughs> I mean, just the worst. He's wimpy. He's prissy. He's snobby and weak, Leanne. It's a bad combination. And he still has his shirt on, which is a good thing with the scything, uh, but I have to say, Elizabeth, I think, looked even better in her
1: field dress and her basket of vegetables, don't you think? I mean, can you believe that? I have Liz the milkmaid, like just unbelievable. I mean, she, she just looked beautiful out of her fancy lady dress and yes. carrying that basket of what? What was she doing with that? Where was she going with those vegetables? <laughs> Where had she come from? Okay. <laughs> Someone had handed those vegetables to her.
0: Yeah. I don't think those delicate hands of hers actually
1: picked the vegetables. No, and we know Francis's delicate hands have never really held a scythe because he was complaining about the blisters. Like, yeah. if he's not bitter and unpleasant enough, then to whine about your blisters yeah. when you gamble away your family estate in a card game, that's really poor form. But, um, you know, uh, Ross came galloping in, and there was that one long, lingering look, Julie, between Ross and is the milkmaid, wasn't there?
0: There is there is something there. We yeah.
1: cannot deny it. They can't deny it, Leanne. Uh,
0: that's, that's the problem, I yeah.
1: think. Yeah. So uh, we have this scene that sets up, you know, oh my gosh, Francis might actually have to be doing some field work while Ross is off to the first coal auction. <laughs> there was a lot of coal and a lot of card playing in this, mm-hmm. neither of which I think are, are very good television, but... <laughs>
0: Well, I thought the card game was a little better. The coal auction—if uh, you are planning to create a TV show, just skip it. Okay, right. it's it was it was boring. It was pretty boring. There were some side glances, you know. But things are in the works that Ross is trying to. You know, they're trying to sort of reshape the coal industry and take over uh, the smelting
1: operation. Yes. That's about it. That's all I can say about it. Right. Ooh, monopoly. You know, there was a monopoly and now there's going to be no more monopoly. Uh, in the coal business in Cornwall, I think we can move on, Julie. You're absolutely okay. right, and let's move on to the haughty actress who um, married the dumb guy Mark, who can't read or do nothing. And um, and in the meantime, the actress is really, uh, you know, she wants to rise above her station, and she's got her eye on Doctor Feelgood, doesn't yeah, she, Julie? She has
0: the roving eye and the heaving bosoms, Leon. I mean, that she's just. She is doing. She's throwing herself at the doctor. She like cut her hand so that
1: she could spend time with him. I have never um, yet- seen bosoms heave like that, Julie. <laughs> like from a, she was she was laid out flat, and yet her bosoms were upright and heaving like on their own. Like they. Had I tried
0: a- to reenact that in my bedroom.
1: <laughs> I had no such luck. Okay, it just. It's spectacular. Uh, So, and I think the good doctor is paying attention now because, well, she kept showing up at his, her, her, his cottage like 20 times during the episode. So it seemed to me the front of this episode was a little obvious. Some of the scenes were a little obvious. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this episode in general, I don't think was that successful. But um, then we go to, uh, speaking of obvious, Captain Blamey. Um, Verity's, uh, would be lover, the sea uh-huh. captain who is married to the sea, but he wants to be with Verity and the two of them are secretly meeting in town. Uh, gossips are uh, talking about it, but Julie, all they talk about is freaking sailing.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I know. Mean,
0: and I, I don't trust the, uh, I don't the sea either. Captain, that hair, I, I, but when he's not wearing his sea captain wig, his hair is very untrustworthy uh and uh i you know i just think it's doomed which is too bad because you know verity is such she is a loyal family member and she's been a loyal
1: friend to demelza and you just know nothing good's gonna happen for her right yeah i don't trust him either i have that do not trust him and um and he just wears bad outfits don't you think like (laughs) yeah (laughs) He does not, the figure of his jib is not cut well, or whatever that expression is. I like yeah, the cut no. of his jib. I don't like the cut of his jib. It's all bad. It's I, really the cut of his pants. There's something it is. really wrong with his pants. There's, there's heaving happening, and that's not a good place for heaving. No. <laughs> okay. All right. So. And speaking of that, whoo, uh, uh, Demelza is playing the piano when Poldark shows up and uh what's up with that
0: Leon? what's up with that
1: (laughs) what that she plays the piano
0: yes when did she learn how to play the piano i I mean she's got
1: nothing else to do there
0: (laughs) i know Leon, but it does i i think it portends for something that she's going to get you know she likes the fancy life she doesn't want to go back to being a scullery maid and uh that's that's hard to reconcile with ross who has uh you know he is a man of the people yeah and uh and I think he uh he's he doesn't want to just be you know with the with the upper class and she's trying she's trying to to, you know, to take on many
1: of the activities of the upper class. Yes. I mean, that was a big theme this week. Ross sort mm-hmm. of being the man of the people. And in the meanwhile, Demelza looking forward to her first ball, her like yeah. formal entry to society, playing the piano. She's, she got a smoke and new dress that showed up. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she's learning to dance and do all and make small talk and all these things. So, right. The two of them are sort of going in opposite directions. And then they have that face off at the world's worst ball we'll talk about it in a second so then we go back to the storyline of Jeannie, the kitchen maid and jim who I we know. saw go to prison in episode two or three for you know poaching at night and ross defended him to no avail and he had got two terms in pri- two years in prison and um and we learn that things in prison are bad uh bad <laughs> there's, there's no surprise bad
0: bad it was the worst prison. I mean, it was like something out of Dickens, Leon, that prison. That was really bad.
1: <laughs> it was. It really was. So uh, there will be a prison breakout shortly, but not before we see Dark in bed. Just a wash and linen. Mm-hmm. And Demelzes asks him, what keeps you up at night? And he says, smelting. And <laughs> I know. You have that same feeling, don't you, Leon? I do. Smelting keeps me up at night too, Ross. <laughs> so... I mean, so again, we see a lot of obvious scenes. Like Ross has a lot of it in his mind. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's concerned about his people. And uh, he hears about the decaying conditions in a local prison where Jim is. The fever has come to the prison, and uh, that's going to be a disaster. So, Julie, we're a third of the way into this episode when they finally get galloping. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it took them a while to get galloping this time. <laughs> I told you, nothing good is happening in Cornwall this week. <laughs> so he grabs his friend, Dr. Feelgood, and they gallop yeah. off to the prison. And unlike the outlander Scots who use, like, a big tree log and some sheep to break right. into their prison— <laughs> <laughs> they did have a plan, Liam. They yeah. did have a plan. <laughs> so, Poles I think cons- it's the same set,
0: though. The prison <laughs> is the same set. It is.
1: It is. It is. So Paul Dark and Dr. Feelgood talk their way into this mm-hmm. prison with fake papers. There's some wrestling of papers and they have to get typhoid Jim out of the prison and only to discover that typhoid Jim. It's even worse than you could possibly imagine because he's also gangrene Jim. And Julie, it was at that point when I was like, please do not show Jim's arm. <laughs> right
0: well it was I think it was some nice seventeen hundred medicine there with the whi- whiskey shots and the amputation, mm. but I don't think that, that amputation was going to hurt that arm because it looked so gross to begin with yeah it was dead, that arm was dead yeah, so sadly he did he did you know he didn't make it that it was just
1: you know he was he was too far gone with fever and disease to uh to survive. And this plunges Paul Dark into five days of darkness and drunkenness, basically. Right, um, right. But not. Um, but before. he had a shirt burning first, Liam. <laughs> that's true. Oh, Julie, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go. Yes, no, mention just, the shirt. I bru- just
0: enjoyed the shirt burning, Liam. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think that I, it's it's a good practice. I, I think we should see more of that. And uh, it was set on the beach. It was lovely. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Let's. I hope that's a trend. I, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, But not before we hear Elizabeth, you know, back at the grim manor there. Yeah. We have Elizabeth. She gives us her prescription for happiness vis-a-vis 18th century women, and it's this lower your expectations. (laughs) 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 Um, So post-gym, we see just a complete decline in Ross. And most dramatically, he doesn't want to go to the ball, Julie. Right. Right. Because he feels like he can't be amongst the upper class now. These are the people that sent young Jim to prison in the first place, including the very magistrate that did it. And he can't be amongst them. And there is a lot of disappointment on Demelza's face because she's got a new ball gown that that Poldark has ordered for her. And she just wants to see the ball gown.
0: She wants to see the ball gown. She wants to. I mean, she's been practicing her dance steps. She's she's been planning on this land. So, yeah. And so you understand Ross's position. I mean, really, these are, you know, these, you know, these are the horrible people that are, you know, are sentencing um, these working class people to these prisons and the prisons are, you know, they're, you know, they're they're substandard. They're inhuman.
1: So Yes, but so I understand Ross's position. I did not understand the argument when Verity comes bursting in like you must go to the ball because that's how you're going to save yourself from going to prison. You know, you have to show all these people that you can't stand that you're really one of them so that they won't actually throw you in prison. For breaking into a prison and breaking out a prisoner. That seemed like a lot of circular logic, especially. Well, it's
0: just because you you and I are not members of the upper class. I think if we were, Leanne, <laughs> that would make perfect sense to us. <laughs> That you can only talk to upper-class
1: people um, at all times. That's pretty much her her argument. So you have
0: to stay in the upper class.
1: So they go to the ball, and it's clear that Ross just wants to drink heavily and (laughs) that things are not – it's just a powder keg. The whole ball is a powder keg. They use that word, and that is what's exactly happening. Like everybody who could be, you know, blow up is going to blow up. Francis Mm -hmm. might blow up. Captain Blamey might blow up, Ross might blow up, Elizabeth know. might something might she might uh, go to. Something <laughs> might blow. Uh, you know what also might blow are those powdered wigs. Those <laughs> are those are not sexy on men. They aren't. They are. It was
0: I mean Ross had like wild man hair when he showed up in the ball, yeah. which was a, in stark contrast to all the rest in the powdered wigs, but I much prefer the the wild
1: man hair yeah. to the wig yeah. any day. It does make you wonder, like, how did men get talked into those? Like, what was the rationale behind putting those, like, highly styled stupid powder wigs? And I know that they still wear them in British courts, and they're still stupid, I believe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like... Doesn't make any sense putting those wigs on, but all right. So the things go south in the ball very quickly. First of all, Ross is drawn into a game of cards because, you know, why not do that? Why Let's go gamble uh, your life away, as you've seen your cousin do, and just That's leave your. exactly what
0: I thought was going to happen, Leon. Yes. I know.
1: Yeah. And then the captain shows up, even though Verity's asked him not to, because she hasn't spoken to Francis yet, because Francis continues to make disparaging remarks about marrying Mm -hmm. beneath her. And there's the captain again, looking creepy, you know,
0: he he does His face looked wrong. And then again, unfortunate pants. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there.
1: And he just was charging around. He was just not in the right place at all. No, oh. elizabeth's mother finally returns she's a good character i wish we had seen more of her she sort of disappeared for a couple of episodes like they forgot to write her in so there she is the snobby mother and she's like oh who's that beautiful young girl in the gold gown and the dramatic necklace and it was demelza and uh-huh. she was like oh the scullery maid like okay yeah. but it Isn't was good she to have her back chris kardashian all over don't you think <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what I put in my notes. Yeah. Because, again, she's still scheming. Here, here she schemed the whole marriage between Elizabeth and Francis, and she's looking around, to, you know, and she's lamenting the fact that Elizabeth could have done better, you know,
1: rather than to be, you know, hooked up with the Poldarks, you know? So. Yeah. And then uh, we have George the Banker, who's, uh, you know, definitely making the moves on Elizabeth. Oh, George yeah. the Evil Banker, who's supposed to be Francis's good friends, clearly mm-hmm. stating his intentions to Elizabeth that, like, mm-hmm. he is available. Yeah. And then uh Francis meets Blaney Blamey the sea captain and makes this just pathetic lunge at him, <sighs> like he's gonna knock him over. What yeah. was that
0: I know that was I mean that was badly and I mean he I mean he you know he's just so weak he can't even have a good, a
1: good fist fight during a ball <laughs> that's true you're right Julie he is so weak what happened to a good fist fight during a brawl mm-hmm. a ball can't do it but most of the action takes place in the card room where we see yes. uh where we see Ross getting drunker and drunker and apparently losing more and more uh, to one- Liberace
0: I yes. mean, that's, that's what I call that guy
1: I don't know what he is right this is supposed to be be. George the banker's good friends the one who swindled um who swindled Francis out of his estate and coal mine Mm -hmm. and now he's sort of taking it to Ross and we see Ross lose a grandfather watch then we see there's a tense scene where he's about to lose Demelza's necklace uh previous to that he and Demelza have it out that was an interest that was the most interesting scene to me the two of them fighting at the ball he's saying these people are all hypocrites they don't know anything they can't relate they're ignorant and Demelza's saying hey you know what where I'm from People are also ignorant. <laughs> I like that. But
0: I know she was. She's not going back to the scullery. No, room. that's that's. If there's such a place, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> so, so we have the big fight, and yet they go back into the card room. And as it turns out, Liberace is a cheater, cheater, cheater. Yeah. Yeah, And that, uh, Ross nabs him actually holding a card in his hand, trying to hide it. It seemed like a very lame attempt at cheating. Like, I can't believe no one had noticed that before when they revealed, <laughs> right? It's like this crumpled the up, like up sweaty card. He's- it's like
0: 1700. Okay. They they weren't as <laughs> savvy. They didn't, they didn't they have YouTube. like poker on
1: ESPN okay. or, you know, I did just. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Uh Ross calls him out and like, oh now all the storylines are set up for the big finale because it's clear, like, wow, this guy cheated Francis out of his estate and his coal mine. You know, he's a cousin of George the Banker, so George the Banker may have to call out Ross in a duel to defend his family honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have uh will Ross go to prison? Like His, you know, it was seen as poor form, what Ross did and being drunk for five days, not good. And so the magistrates may conspire against him and, uh, and send him to prison. And then we certainly have have the issue of Demelza
0: not being totally honest with Ross regarding, uh, the sea captain and Verity. And that on two occasions, she had the opportunity to say to Ross, Hey, look, you know, I helped arrange their meeting again, and she
1: didn't say anything. She did not say
0: it. Yeah. He's... I think this is going to, this is, we are going to see this in the final episode later. Okay. Something yes. yes.
1: Well, yes. And uh, we have uh, the copper works. you know, we have the Monopoly who previously held all the smelting. We'll just leave it at that. The smelting. <clears throat> The smelting monopoly is going to turn on um, the shareholders of Ross's Copper Works. So there's a lot of things that may happen uh, that are set up to happen in the finale next week. But certainly the best line of uh, the, the show, and this was singled out by several Satellite Sisters on our Facebook page, was at one point, you know, Francis is in the room with Verity Elizabeth. And who is that? Aunt Agnes? What's her name? Yeah. It's Agnes, yes, right? I don't know. That's yeah, that,
0: we'll dowager Agnes Dowager
1: Agnes, and you know Francis says, what 's wrong with the women in this family and Dowager Agnes responds the men and that <laughs> that, was that was good because the men just they just they failed last they failed in episode seven. they set themselves up for a lot of failure to come in the final episode. so Julie, um, next week we 're actually taking Tuesday off.
0: We are so everyone you're just gonna have to sit tight yeah. you know do not uh, do not Facebook the you know the plot lines on our Facebook page because yeah. we, we we like to we like to stay in a cone <laughs> of silence of innocence, so we bring you fresh impressions from the show but we will we will cover the final episode, no doubt
1: yeah, this is where sort of advanced production would have helped, like maybe we wouldn't have chosen to take our vacations this week if we knew we were <laughs> building to this, but I don't know we just. Thought we'd try out this series. It worked pretty well. And the next thing you know, um, the finale is on like the one week of the year that we can't do a Tuesday show. So, um, but don't fail. We will talk about the finale. It just won't be next Tuesday. We will get to it though. Um, But it also gives a chance for those of you who have not watched the series, you know, it's still available at PBS. It's going to expire. So you have to kind of catch it. it Yeah, I noticed that. I had to watch online at Liz's house here. So I noticed that like you have to get on board. If you want to get on board for the season finale, it's available at PBS.org, but soon it will start to expire. It's also available at Apple at iTunes. I think you mm-hmm. can watch all the episodes one through eight. So if you want to binge watch before we do our final poll, dark and handsome of the season. But um, you know, I just hope there's just a just a little more romance next week. Wouldn't you like to yeah. see just a touch yeah. more? <laughs> yes, more galloping, more linen yeah. shirts, more piano yes. playing. Yeah, just right. a little more of that. I. <laughs> So, I mean, I know this was supposed to be a dark episode that revealed the dark side of Ross. And that's fine. But, you know, come on. Let's just step it up a little bit, PBS. Right.
0: Right. No more bad balls. That's it.
1: (laughs) Okay. I know. That was not good. All right. Uh, We are the Satellite Sisters. Thank you for joining us. You can always find us at satellitesisters.com. Or join us on Facebook uh, or on Twitter, at Sisters on Instagram, at Sisters. We're here for you. Julie, you, I'm going to literally be here for you on Saturday. You're showing up this yes. weekend. We're having yes. a little fam weekend together.
0: Yeah, that will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, we're coming out to Bend, Oregon.
1: So that every, and everyone's cramming in the bungalow, so it should be fun. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, this is funny. Susan said last night our sister-in-law she's planning to go hiking a hike for the family on saturday because mm. she said julie and trem want to go hiking so um
0: yeah i like to hike and yeah. i
1: do not like to hike so i was like oh god a hike <laughs> <laughs> Well, it could be a walk, Lynn. You like to walk. No, no. She's planned to hike, my friend. You're hiking. And I say you are hiking because I got a text from Liz today that she's ordered some more furniture and it's going to be delivered Saturday. And could I possibly like accommodate the delivery schedule? I'm like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Now I don't have to go on the hike.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. No hike for you, my little sister. (laughs) Just...
1: (laughs) So you guys sound like you're going on a nice hike. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. I'll be here. I'll be here receiving furniture. And that's really what I like to do. So. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget. Call your satellite sister.